Good morning, church family. Welcome to church this morning. It is a joy to see you all again. Um, this morning, I have the distinct pleasure to welcome my brother and sister, Michael and Joni Emerson. And I want them to just tell you a little bit about themselves. And so welcome, good morning. Morning. Um, it's Michael and Joni Emerson. Uh, we've been coming to Newcom about five years now. Moved here about that time. And so um, we live in the Albany Park neighborhood of Chicago. And we have four children, two that are living at home with us now. Um, and so yeah, we've been here about five years. Mm -hmm. Wonderful, thank you so much. So on March 29th, during our service, Joni, you sent us a message asking for us to pray for Michael because he had come down with um, coronavirus and that was really kind of frightening for all of us. But at the same time, um, we recognize just the importance of, of praying for you. And so we wanna just talk a little bit about what that journey has been like, how that has been for you both um, individually, together as a family, and so um, maybe just share initially kind of what were some of the initial reactions or um, some of your emotions and things that you experienced as this um, unfolding situation happened. Yeah, and we're gonna do it where I'm gonna talk about being on the inside sure. of a door and Joni's experience on the outside of the door. So um, it started uh, getting up one morning and, and having breakfast like I always do, but the food and the coffee tasted tasteless or terrible. I kept putting more sugar to try to get taste. And uh, yeah, I, then I went up to the room where I, it's our bedroom, but it's also where I work now. And uh, I started getting cold. I put on a sweater, I got colder. I didn't know what to do, so I got under their covers. I thought I'll just, I'm just trying to warm up. And uh, that's when the fever and everything started and the symptoms that you get. So quickly went into isolation, which I was for 16 days on the 17th day could come out. Um, you experience all kinds of things. And I know everybody that gets this, there's a whole set of different things people experience, but as constant nausea, a fatigue like I've never felt before. I just couldn't be up more than an hour or so and I had to be back in bed. Um, and it went through stages. So as the fever broke, then other things happened, a sore throat. And uh, the thing we were worried about is, because I have kind of a history of heart and lung issues, if it gets to your lungs, that's how people die. And it usually starts with a sore throat, and I got the sore throat, like, uh-oh. Uh, and so about a week into it, it did get into my lungs. I started having trouble breathing. I started getting lightheaded. So at that point, we had to go to the hospital. And then, um, when we came back, basically had to try to turn the, the room into a sauna-like, and we'll talk in a bit, but this is where Newcom folks came through. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, we'll get to that, but it was amazing. And um, yeah, was able to finally come out of that door in that room on Sunday uh, Easter. So felt like I was able to rise with Christ. It was quite something. Amen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, for me, it was when this all began, it was just the whole trying to wrap my head around it that this was happening. And um, we had been watching the news off and on and, and you know, sitting next to each other. And I'm saying, you, you can't get this <laughs> based with, with your heart issues. And um, 
then to find out, yes, he did have it. And so just the fear of the unknown of what, how are we going to walk this road and um, how is this going to play out for us at home? I mean, are we, are we going to be getting sick? Um, just trying to make sense of it was, was hard. Um, I was just overwhelmed with all the information then that I was getting as I'm researching and trying to figure out how best to help him because again, you know, this is a new virus and there's no pat way of doing this. So trying to figure out best practices that I could help him the best way I could. Um, but having to do that, like, I need to do it now. I need to figure this out now. And so that just heightened the anxiety that I was feeling. Um, so it's just overwhelming exhaustion and physical and emotional exhaustion, at, you know, from the outset. Yeah. A lot of times she had no sense. She's trying to take care of me, but she can't see me. Right. And, and so I know that start in the morning she start like texting are you there are you still like because wow. i'd be sleeping but she didn't know if i was sleeping or no longer yeah. living so that was a, i can imagine that would be difficult yeah that's a frightening kind of experience and kind of anxiety ridden so i think one of the things that would be helpful for us to kind of even hear from both of you is like how did you experience god in the midst of this because all of these emotions it's it's scary i mean i Joni, i can't imagine just texting and not hearing anything back, not knowing if he's sleeping or if he's needing help or if he's, you know, with us or not with us. What, what kind of experiences of God did you have during this time? Well, for me, I mean, that was, that was hard. You know, your mind just goes, it can just tend to go. And, and so, um, you know, I would just, I was just reaching out to the Lord for, the, for, for help in through this whole thing. I mean, it was like, okay, God, you're with us. I know you're with us. I need to hold on to your hand and um, just trust uh, for each, each morning. Um, and so I, uh, one, one of the first nights, because I was still trying to wrap my head around this and feeling overwhelmed, and I was feeling anxious and shaking on the inside a lot of the time <laughs> as I'm going through the motions, um, which is what I think that's my strong suit. I, I can just... I kind of get, go into overdrive and I'm taking care of everybody and everything and what's going on in the house. And, um, but at the, all the while I was shaking on the inside. And then one of the first nights I was you know, sleeping on the couch at that point and I was laying there and I was shaking on the inside and you know, thinking about news reports and all that. And then I started shaking on the outside. I mean, uncontrollably, I, I was shaking. I just couldn't stop shaking and I was like, Whose voice at that point? Am I, whose voice am I listening to? You know, am I listening to, to the Lord who is going to give me the peace I need, or am I listening to the world and what the enemy wants me was trying to fill my mind and my heart with? And at that point, that's when I, I really reached out to God and I was praying, just deliver me from this shaking, from this fear. I know you're in control. I need to trust that. And so. You know, I just was praying that, just give me your, cover me with your peace. And it was a few minutes into that, and I just felt like a weighted blanket had just been put on me. I was laying on the couch, and it just, just felt warmth and felt peace. And I, that was the best night of sleep I had. I mean, I, I slept well pretty much every night after that, too, which, you know, I attribute that to, to God answering my prayer for that, um, to help me get through each day. Um, 
with all the unknowns of not knowing what was happening on the other side of that door and uh, just keeping my mind at peace, you know, not going to the place where it didn't need to go and trusting the Lord and all that. So that was, um, that was the first thing where I experienced God's peace. And I knew then he was with me through, through each, each step of the way. Um, and then the next thing was I knew I need, to, I need to get people praying. That was the main thing for me. It was like, mm-hmm. I can't do this by myself, and the Lord's not expecting me to, and I need to get everybody, as many people around us as we can. So that's when you know, I was reaching out to Newcom family, to our families, to our friends, to colleagues of Michael's. That was just overwhelming to hear of all the people all across the country praying, and um, that was just huge encouragement um, for me. And that t- there was a verse that I was reading in Isaiah at that point. It was Isaiah thirty nineteen. Put my glasses on so I can see. Um, he says, "How gracious he will be when, when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you." And that verse just just stuck out to me as I was knowing I needed to, to have all these people praying and, and to know that um, God was hearing and he was answering. And that became very evident right away. Um, I just started to see God move in so many different ways, very tangible ways, but also just through emails and <clears throat> um, just people reaching out with words of encouragement, prayers, texting me prayers, all sorts of different ways. And so... Yeah, God was very evident to me. Amen. What about you, Michael? So, two things. One, I'm, I'm always struggling with how honest to be with her about what I'm feeling because I don't want her to get overly worried. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, as she's telling me about all the people praying, it's just an incredible, um, I would say, sense of comfort, but also more than that. It was like, well... I have to make it through because all these people are praying. Right. <laughs> it's like, it's a, the power of community, which I'm sure we'll get into some more, but that was an amazing thing. I think God gave me comfort through most of it, like mostly because I'm just trying to deal with the symptoms. Um, I had one moment when I had to go to the hospital, I didn't know if that would be it because <laughs> I had entered in that point where people sometimes don't make it. So I had written some things for, in case I didn't come back, uh, but even at that point, I had a sense of, well, God's in charge. So, I mean, it was never a sense of fear or worry. Just God will do what he's doing. Yeah. And what about kind of in that room in that time? Were, were you able to kind of feel, just as Joni said, she kind of, she felt that weighted blanket of peace at the time. Were you able to feel some of that too while you were, oh, yeah. you know, lying in bed or kind of, you know, in and out of sleep and, you know, the fatigue and... I, th- I think because all of the symptoms, they're, they're so foreign to all of us who, are, who have never gone through this. I, I th- I'm just kind of curious spiritually, kind of are you, were you aware of, you know, God's active presence at that time in that room? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, you, are, are you alone in that room for 16, 17 days? No. God was right there, felt God right there, felt like, felt his presence strong, even no matter how sick I felt. Um, yeah. And the, the tangible, again, is her telling me and sending me messages. Here's all the people praying. And I can't say how much 
what a difference that made. I mean, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. As you share that, that's a, a good kind of segue into my next question about just community and what your experiences of community, Joni, and you mentioned a little bit of just a large, wide community of people praying for you guys. But how are some of the other ways that through this whole experience you guys experience both Newcom community and also I think just larger, the church at large across uh, the U.S. and potentially across the world, just praying and supporting. Oh, there was so many, so many things that happened, and I, I remember thinking as as this is all going down, it's like, I can't wait to share this with everyone because this is incredible what God is doing, through you all, through people, through through our family, through other friends. Um, every day was multiple ways God was showing up and and showing us that he's taking care of us in the midst of it. Um, so, yeah, the first thing was um, Emily here. She had made some, some masks, and she brought those over. That was like the first thing, um, because I had masks from, from Home Depot. I had two. And they <laughs> and were so, terrible masks. And I was like, I can't breathe. <laughs> and that was at the, at the beginning point. I was going into, the, I was in the room with him because he had thrown his back out at the beginning of all this. And he was calling for me at one point because he could not get to the floor. He was trying to get from the bed to the floor. And it was just, you know, we had to stop and laugh at one point in a way because it was like, this is, this is unbelievable. This is happening. Um, but anyway, so I, you know, being in the room multiple times those first few days because I needed to help him move. I knew I shouldn't be touching him. I had gloves on, but it was like, you know, just had to be in there so the masks were huge <clears throat> when she delivered those uh, then also getting some other masks mailed to me from Iowa from you know someone else here at church whose mom's friend in Iowa makes masks and I got those in the mail and it was just what we needed when we needed it and that was the thing it was always God's timing was perfect and what we needed was perfect for exactly that time and it um, you know, it wasn't, he always, you know, he never was, you can't get ahead of God. And it was just staying in step with him. Lord, this is what I need. And then he provided that. And then it's again, Lord, this is what I need. And he would provide that. And it was just that way. And that's walking in step with the Lord, walking with him. That's what that came to mean for me. Um, there was, you know, I was at, at the beginning looking for what I needed to do for him. One of the Articles that I was reading was saying I should get a pulse oximeter um, to check his O2, his oxygen, his blood, um, especially with his heart issues and, and the lung issues starting to happen. So I was researching that like five in the morning, I think at five or six in the morning. <clears throat> and I was about to buy it on Amazon. And just as I was going to buy it, I got a text from one of Mike's colleagues in Ohio saying, I just, I think you need to have this oximeter and I just ordered you one from Amazon. I mean, I was just like, mm -hmm. Chad, I can't believe you And that became yeah. huge because right after we got it, as I was taking the measurements, yeah. it just, the oxygen level just kept going down and down. So it was able was, to know what was going on and, right. and keep the doctor informed. Yeah. And that's when they said, you know, at this point, you got to get him to the hospital. And, yeah. yeah. So I ended up, um, we had, there was promise with mailing of that, but you know, just that Chad was thinking that as I was 
thinking that. It was, and that was just confirmation to me that, yes, this is what I need to do. I need to get one of these things. And, and so I found, a, you know, one of my friends was able to go pick one up at CVS. They had one there. So I had it that morning. You know, again, the, the timing was perfect. Um, let's see. Then, I mean, there was a lot of steps in there, a lot of, you know, care packages coming to the door, people bringing food, bringing groceries, medicines that I needed for him. Um, that was that was right at the right time when I I'm thinking in my head, I need to get these cough drops and I need to get these other meds, and then again someone from church texts me and say, um, Gail, can we pick you up anything from Walgreens? It was like, mm. well, yes, you can. <laughs> mm. You know, it was just and so you know had that within hours. Um, then the last major thing was. As his, he's starting to tell me, I mean, I, I'm always wondering, really, how is he doing? Because he is one to protect me from, you know, the bad side of things. And so I don't still know what's going on on the other side of the door, how he's really feeling. I mean, he'll, he's upbeat a lot of the time. I was just amazed at how upbeat he was and positive through all this. But I'm just wondering, but on the other side of the door, is he really feeling that? I wondered. Um, <clears throat> but he was telling me, you know, not, not to worry, but the chest tightness is getting, getting stronger. And um, so at that point, I went back to the information I was, I was reading about what I need to get. And they were saying, you know, vaporizer will, is a lifesaver or nebulizer or anything to help with the respiratory system. Of course, didn't have a vaporizer. Um, I'm looking at my clock and it's 8.30. I'm like, it's 8.30, I can't, what do I do? I mean, I, don't, I didn't want him to go through another night without having this. And so um, Emily Dool was <laughs> my point person, it seemed. And so I, I just texted her, I said, do you know anybody? And I was trying to think of families in church that might have, you know, with kids who might have a vaporizer. Um, and so, she said she was on it, and so um, that was that was awesome. And so she, within I think by 10 o'clock, she showed up at the door with three bags. One had a vaporizer in it. One had a nebulizer in it. One had this other respiratory um, thing that would help him as well. I was just I was just blown away by that. I would just. And this yeah. is the thing why it was so important because I had gone to the hospital. They had done chest X-ray. Uh, or x-ray and they had found two things bad heart enlarged and infection in the lungs mm. and the way people die from this is they basically drown or they suffocate because it it just fills you up and you can't breathe so the the key is you gotta keep it loose and so you basically you need to be in a sauna is the best that they could say and that was why all of these things that were brought it really was the turnaround if I hadn't had those yeah I, I wouldn't be here I don't think it really, it was a key. And so I got that up to him, you know, put it outside his door at 1030. And I said, look what just came mm -hmm. from church family. And Amen. I mean, you were just blown away by that. I mean, so, so he slept well that night. That next morning I asked, you know, how he was doing. And he said, I slept so much better. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, those things were just constant. Um, every step of the way. And so that's, those are just some of the 
some of the ways we experience community here through, through church family, also just through so many friends in, in the area who brought us groceries, who just provided in ways that I, I just couldn't imagine, you know, and just care packages and, um, yeah, it just, the list went on and on, so. I think it's, it's significant for us to just kind of highlight, again, just the importance of community in times of need and this is a real time of need for all of us um, in different ways, whether people are sick or just in need and, and the power of the community. I think, Johnny, one of the things that kind of stuck with me a while ago, as you said, you know, you, you prayed, you were, knew what you needed and then you prayed about, hey, God, we need cough drops. We need a nebulizer. We need a vaporizer. These are things that we need. And physically, you're just not able to kind of go out and get those things on your own necessarily. But you reach out to one person who then does, because I was part of the behind the scenes of, hey, does anybody have a vaporizer, nebulizer? You know, I, I was on the other end of experiencing the ask of, hey, you know, the Emersons need this, do you have one? And I didn't have one, but one, another person in our community says, hey, I have one. And, and that kind of, the power of that movement, I feel like is so significant in this time to see who the church really is. Because it's not necessarily everyone who is going to have all the things, but it's the ability to activate all of the community to then find what you need and get that need met by whoever it actually is. So I, I think that that's just such a, a powerful example of how community really works, the power of community, that you know you didn't necessarily have to send out to 10 people to say, hey, 10 people, I need this, but one person then took that and ran with it and, and were able to kind of round robin all of the information and get that. So I feel like that's just important to say as a community for us to remember that in this time, each person has a different role in our community building and your part adds to the whole. It's not just an individual thing like, okay, I wasn't asked, but it's everybody is asked whether or not you get, you are the one that takes it, you know, over to the next step is, you know, maybe, but, but that's just a beautiful thing to hear, just the testimony of how God has been doing that. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. There's a fascinating book uh, that looked at when Christianity first started, it was this tiny little cult. Yes. People thought of it as a cult. And it, it asked, how did this tiny little sect of a few of these believers become the world's largest faith? And it's so interesting because the key moment was in the Roman Empire when they were going through exactly what we're going through now. There was a pandemic, there was this plague that was killing people left and right. All the wealthy left Rome and all the big cities and went out to, to separate themselves. And he said the difference was that the Christians stayed and cared for each other. So the survival rates of the Christians were much, much higher. They not only cared for each other, they cared for non-Christians that were ill. And many people then converted. And so that was like the moment at which the Christian faith took off. And this could be another moment, right? Yeah. And, and it's, it's worth asking the question, is that what God is after for us as church, you know, as a community in this season? Is that what... God is leading us to do as a people, um, both to serve our community internally, but as you rightly said, externally also just our community. And I think that that kind of leads me to talk and ask you, 
because your Michael, your work is as a sociologist, and so you do all of these um, studies of people and you know all culture and systems and these different things. And I think it's interesting for us to kind of just shift a little bit um, from your own experience for you to zoom out for to talk a little bit about the impact of COVID-19 on our city and how does this influence and impact um, race and socioeconomics and how does how is that influencing some of what we're seeing and experiencing so maybe share a little bit about that so anybody that knows me has ever heard me talk uh, what grieves me is racial inequality socioeconomic inequality and what we're seeing is the stunning deadly impact of our inequality i mean african americans in chicago are dying at a rate about six times uh, folks that look like me and folks who are poor. I just read um, in the newspaper, it said we're becoming a nation divided into two types, those who are fighting bankruptcy and those who are fighting boredom. It's very different on the socioeconomic of what we think the problem or the issues are having to be sheltering at home. These things, uh, this is something I think that grieves God that we have accepted inequality and now it's coming back and destroying us. I just want to share something. Um, so in January, I, I moved to University of Illinois, Chicago, UIC. And so I've been working with my department about what are we, what's our vision? What do we exist for? And uh, we were able to come up with this just before we all had to scatter. So I wanted to share that because I was amazed at how God could work through my colleagues. I told them, you have to come up with a vision but you only get 15 words because that's got to be memorable. It's got to say who we are, what we do, and why we do it. So this is the vision they came up with, that we're a diverse, dynamic community researching, teaching, and learning for a more just and equitable world. And then um, we say our uniqueness is that we're a diverse department that cares deeply about doing sociology that makes a difference in Chicago and beyond. We use multiple research methods to study and address inequalities. And then we say for our student training, so we have uh, undergrad, masters, and PhD. A hallmark of a UIC sociology education is that students are trained in multiple methods to do work that seeks a more just and equitable world. It's an education designed to meet the challenges in our nonprofit world, in government, in industry, in academia. So I'm encouraged in that sense that God can work through us in different ways. It's, we have to take it seriously. I mean, uh, <laughs> I think this is going to remind us um, inequality, can't, we just can't accept it. And how do you think, like, as a, a church community, a church body, not all of us work in kind of directly in higher education or directly in those ways, but each of us um, kind of serve and work in different places, that can work towards this uh, move towards equity and justice. How, what are some of the things that as followers of Jesus do we need to be alert to and stay um, alert to in this time? Um, what kinds of questions do we need to be asking or things to pay attention to? Yeah, and one of the things is that you don't have to think, these problems are too big for anybody to do it on their own. And we don't have to do it on our own. Just as we were talking about how the community came together to help in our time of need, the community comes together. So as, as the leaders of the church, you provide us opportunities. Hey, there's this uh, church down the road that is really having issues. Let's put our resources together and help. So it's to be open. 
We're in constant prayer, of course. That's what we need to be doing, looking for God to identify the opportunities that as a community we can address. So it doesn't matter if my job relates to addressing inequality. As a community, we can always do that. We are so grateful that you are well, that you are here. Um, we praise the Lord for your recovery, and we thank God that, you know, that this has become a testimony of, you know, your life and, your, and God's faithfulness to that. So thank you, both of you, for um, sharing that. I think one of the things I would love for you to just give us as um, kind of our closing time is an encouragement and or challenge that you would leave with us. But I think, Joni, you, you said it so well in that night when you started to shake externally, that that was a physical feeling of just the panic and fear and all the things coming together in your physical body, but realizing and asking the question, whose voice do I listen to? I think that that's just so significant and poignant. But what else can you guys um, just leave us with as both challenges and encouragements? God gave me a verse this morning. Like I just I regularly open and read verses, and I'm going to share it in just a moment. But let me set it up very quickly. So um, CTA, our trains and buses in Chicago are running at 14% capacity. The metro train lines are running at 9% capacity. Airlines are running at 3% capacity. Scientists around the world say the world is shaking less and moving less, and the air is clearer than it ever has been, and the earth is the quietest that they have ever measured it, right? Because we're all, everything is stopping. Here's the verse, Psalm 46:10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I don't think God causes pandemics, but I think God will not tolerate not being known. He will be known. He will be heard. We need God. And this is how God can take what is bad and use it for good. As we close out our time, I'm just going to pray for Michael and Joni. Church, as we just spend a moment right now, let's just pause for a moment. As you um, just spend some time asking God, where do you need to be still and know that he is indeed God? So let's just pause for a moment. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our community. We thank you for the ways that your community demonstrates your power, the truth of your word and your power. We thank you for the ways that you have shown yourself uh, strong in the lives of Michael and Joni over these last couple of weeks. We thank you for Michael's recovery. We thank you for his physical recovery. We pray your blessing over them. Father, as a community, we pray that you will continue to spur us on as we go through this season. Lord, continue to show us and teach us the ways that we need to minister to one another, how we can do that well, how we can serve one another, how we can be with one another in and through this season. God, thank you for your faithfulness to us as a community. And we pray that there will be opportunities for us to share again testimonies of your faithfulness and your good work. We thank you, Father, for your love, your grace, and your mercy. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.